0: Hi, my name is Roy Collin, and welcome to the show. I've also got five podcasts, The Awakening Podcast, Exposing Fraud and Corruption but with Solutions, The Crypto Podcast, on about all things blockchain, NFTs, crypto, The Meditation Podcast, talking about all different types of meditation, but there's also meditations there from one minute to two hours. And the other one is The Learn Polish Podcast, so if you're interested in learning Polish, you can do that. And the other one is speaking with Roy Collin. And I just have guests from around the world talking about either public speaking or also about their book or just general life in general. And you'll find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. I'm also a podcasting coach. And you see the QR code there. And it's also on my link as well. And if you're interested in actually going on some podcast shows and helping people doing that, or if you're interested in sponsorship, you can contact me. And I'd like to thank my sponsor, danielpacker.com. He helps people with anxiety, stress, and addictions. He's got a 90% success rate, and you only pay if you're successful. So be sure to check him out, danielpacker.com. I hope you enjoy this week's show.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. We hope that you are in your best health, best mental health, physical health, and emotional health. Today, we bring you a very special guest with a really sensitive topic. But it's a sensitive topic that it is important for us to understand and to hear about. Particularly, we're still Alive, we're breathing every every day we wake up, God gives us a chance to really continue to be good Christians, good Muslims, good Jews, whatever you believe in, okay? Well, today we happen to have Michael Hitchborn, and as I said, it's an honor and a privilege to have him. He is the founder of the Lepanto Institute which through depth investigations and reports holds the Catholic church accountable when it moves away from its biblical teachings. So Michael has researched and produced an annual report on different organizations receiving grant money from the Catholic Campaigns for Human Development, that's CCHD. This annual report exposing dozens of grantees that are promoting abortion, birth control, homosexuality, and Marxism. This has led to a nationwide review of the CCHD and a tightening of its guidelines. Michael has also conducted research on Catholic hospital systems that are involved in the performance of abortions and sterilizations. And he wrote a detailed report on abortion and contraception providing organizations receiving money from catholic relief services and he produced a detailed report on the obama care and it's danger to women pre-born babies and the elderly so welcome and thank you so much for everything that you have done and still doing michael
2: thank you so much for having me on it's a pleasure
1: so just before we started, I we kind of introduced ourselves where we're located. Like I always welcome my co-host Roy Colan. Okay, and I am if he is from um, he's originally from Ireland, but lives in Poland, and I'm originally from the Philippines, but I live in Princeton, New Jersey. And both our countries of origin are have a deep history of the Catholic Church and the influence of the Vatican. Although, Michael, I am part of the minority because I was born and raised in the Protestant church, but my parents were also involved in the Catholic church. So when I came to United States, people cannot believe that, oh, you're Protestant. I said, yes, but I went to a five-year college education in a Catholic university. So I have memorized all the prayers because it was a must that we start with prayers and end with prayers. And that was a good training, you know, to to remember that you are connected with God's source. So when when I heard about what you've done, there were so many questions. So we'll go straight to my questions like, what triggered you? What, What question did you have in your mind that, oh, something is off why don't Mm -hmm. i go get into this business of you know doing some investigation and i also want to honor your courage to do it because you're like going into the mouth of a there's like a huge what i don't want to say beast but it is sometimes it could feel like a beast going in there and you know it's a big battle and yet here you are standing straight proud that you are doing god's work so what 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 was your initial you know thoughts and feelings and then of course suddenly what are what, what's going on now what what are the what are the results and sure. then where are we going now is do you see any uh, possibilities or changes or what would be the implications of your of your uh, study or investigation so go ahead take
2: the lead. All right. That's a tall order, but I'll do the best I can. Um, Well, I'll I'll start with uh, kind of my background. I, I have a rather unique education, not just in terms of formal education, but a life education. My grandfather was actively involved in Southern California in the 1950s and 60s, exposing communist cell networks all around Southern California. His good friend was a guy named Steve Werb, who was actually a, uh, an FBI informant that had worked his way into the communist party. And my grandfather and he worked together. They collaborated on exposing these cell networks. <clears throat> and in fact, uh, my there's, there's an episode where my grandfather told me about going into a communist meeting with a tie tack microphone and a tape recorder taped under his armpit. So, um, I got a firsthand account of infiltration of communists within the United States and how communists act, what communists do, what their aims and goals are, how they've infiltrated the church. My grandmother, uh, back in the 1960s and seventies had a list that she kept and and all the way through the eighties, a list that she kept, uh, detailing the, the bishops and figuring out whether the bishops were aligned with Marxist ideologies or whether they were aligned with what the church was teaching. So growing up in that environment and seeing uh, what communists are, how they infiltrate, what they do, how they work, um, I, my, my education was very unique. So when I got my degree in college, I I got a degree in political science and economics. And the focus of my study was the Luciferian push for a global governance and who was behind it and how the communists had infiltrated all, all different levels of society. Uh, So I was very well aware of many things that were going on in society and in our church. Well, in 2007, um, I was, uh, this is five years after I got married. I had three kids already. And uh, I started working for a pro, national pro life organization called American Life League. And while I was there, one of the things that I was responsible for doing was exposing what the pro abortion organizations and industries were up to, specifically Planned Parenthood. And I started producing a series of video reports exposing what they were up to, what they were doing, how they were working, how they had infiltrated into different levels of government and, and society. And somebody contacted me at one point and said, you ought to look into the Catholic campaign for human development. And I said, okay, I mean, I've, I, I'm a little tangentially aware of what they are and what they've done. And I I knew enough to say eh, that they, they're probably not worth my funding. So I never gave them any money, but um, as I was, you know, somebody said you should look into something and and I, I take that as a challenge. So I did. And I started looking into the grants lists of the Catholic campaign for human development. And I just picked a few and I said, all right, what's this organization all about? What's this organization all about? And I started going through what they had said about themselves on their own websites, uh, on their own social media feeds, and I, I started reading news articles about these organizations and using the research skills that I had developed over 15 years, uh, and and I started figuring out that these organizations were acting against church teaching. So, I produced a series of reports. I was stunned uh, when when I produced these reports and bishops started contacting me and telling me you're attacking our ability to help Christ's poor and you're attacking us. And yeah. And and I said, Oh, wait a minute. I'm not attacking you. I'm trying to help the church. My, my thought was that these organizations are acting against the church. They shouldn't be receiving Catholic funding. So you bishops should know about this. Well, when that happened, of course uh, it's kind of like telling your kid, Hey, don't look in the closet because there are things in there you shouldn't see. Well, you tell a kid that, and the kid's going to go and open the closet. And, and the same thing kind of happened here. I'm I'm sitting there, and I'm going, wait a minute. Why are they telling me that I shouldn't be conducting these investigations? I'm trying to help. So it made me kind of dig in even deeper and say, what's really going on here? So I got into the history of the Campaign for Human Development, and I found out that it was created in 1969 for the specific purpose of financing Saul Alinsky's community organizing groups. That's why it was created. And as I started looking through the history of the grantees and seeing that these organizations, this this group, the CCHD, has been financing the enemies of the church since its beginning. And Catholics have loudly complained about this organization financing the church's enemies and propping up a Marxist idea within the church and within our culture So, I then started creating more reports and more detailed reports and publishing them, publishing them. I wound up meeting with the CCHD a number of times and explaining to them look, the organizations that you're providing funding to are attacking the church, they're attacking the church's good morals, and they're attacking the society in which we live. And that's why I'm producing these reports. So, the CCHD, back and forth, we we had a couple of meetings and eventually they decided that they didn't like the fact that I caught one of their grantees actually lying to them. So they cut off all communication. From that point, I have produced annually a series of detailed reports about CCHD grantees and I've exposed these, these organizations uh, so that faithful Catholics know, hey, this is where the money is going. Uh, if you want to give to that, I mean I'm not gonna well I'll tell you that you shouldn't, but you're you're certainly free to give to an organization that you think is doing something good or whatever but uh, these organizations I I produce these reports in in the interest of full transparency. I'm trying to help Catholics understand where their funding is going and so they so they can make their own determination is this something that I should be funding or not and that's that's really the uh, the only, impetus behind what i'm what i'm doing here
1: can you mention one of those organizations that the c c c h you know is supporting and uh, i know you this is just a limited time but i i i i can assume that this this a full list of your investigation is in your website right yes so that um, the, viewers can go in depth and look at the whole list
2: okay that's correct if in fact if they go to the website lepantoin.org it's right there at the bottom of the screen lepantoin.org and they put in the forward slash cchd at the end of the url they'll be able to see a full list of 66 organizations that we detailed um to see exactly where the money is going, what those organizations are all about. They can click on the name of the organization. It'll take them to a full report, giving them all of the details about what we found about that organization. You asked about one of them, and I'll give you one of the most recent. Um, We published a a report last week, or, or I'm sorry, just a couple of weeks ago, the title of which is Catholic campaign for human development grantee collects pornographic LGBTQ books for minors at youth center. And the fact of the matter is the CCHD gave $45,000 in 2021 to 2022 to an organization called congregations United to serve humanity. This organization has received numerous grants from the CCHD since 2012 uh, coming, I think the total comes to $247,000. That's, that's not small change. Uh, they were also given a grant in 2022 to 2023, but we don't know for how much, but the likelihood is they actually received almost $300,000 since 2012. This organization since 2020 Has been actively promoting LGBTQ ideologies. They've really made no bones about what they're up to. We discovered that um, their executive director, a woman named Lori Hawkins, has been tied in with Planned Parenthood since at least 2017. So when the Catholic Campaign for Human Development tells its donors and its brother bishops that they conduct, you know, thorough vetting pro, They have a thorough vetting process when they're investigating these organizations. They go through the grant application approval process and, and they have this ongoing monitoring to make sure that they're acting in line with church teaching during the process of the grant. Uh, when the CCHD says something like that with regard to an organization like CUSH, uh, what they are doing is indicting themselves. They're saying we are guilty of knowing this organization is doing something wicked and we're going ahead and giving them a grant anyway. Uh, what we found during the time of the grant, as I said, they were promoting LGBTQ ideologies. They were involved in, uh, the, or their executive director was highly involved in Planned Parenthood, but the real problem falls in what happened this past October where Cush Collected a series of what they called banned books. These these books that um, are at the heart of a national controversy here in this country because parents are saying these are pornographic books that do not belong in our public uh, public schools or in our public libraries. They absolutely shouldn't be anywhere near children, but they are marketed towards children. Um, they are in our public schools as as young as middle school. Uh, they are in our public libraries and they are available to kids. So Cush collected these books because they're at the center of this controversy. And I looked into the books. I looked into what these books were all about. The first book on the list is called Gender Queer. Gender Queer is a graphic novel. It's basically a comic book. And it's when, it, when I say graphic novel, I mean that both in the colloquial sense and also in the literal sense, it's graphic in the same, in the sense that it's drawings and it's graphic in the sense that it is, it is pornographic. It is, it has depictions of teenage boys, uh, performing graphic sex acts on each other, uh, two boys. And it's, it's, um, there's no room for imagination. It's, it's literally pornographic. Full nudity. Um, the book called "This Book Is Gay," which was collected by Cush, is an instruction manual on sex acts, uh, particularly homosexuality. Page one fifty six instructs the uh, the reader on the use of homosexual hookup apps, s- specifically Grindr. Uh, page one seventy one has a section on what they called erogenous zones uh, and it has a male diagram with all these arrows pointing to different parts of the body and instructions on how to pleasure those parts of the body sexually. And page 173 actually gives real instructions on mutual masturbation, oral sex, and anal sex. Uh, Another book collected by Cush is called All Boys Aren't Blue, and this book is all about a, a confused young boy, a young man, who winds up having various sexual encounters with other young men, and they're graphic. It's there are no pictures, but it's pornographic literature. It actually describes the entire sex act, and it goes into detail about what's happening. So there's nothing left to the imagination. Um, these are directed at kids. And the, and Catholic funding went to this organization, that organization used those funds to conduct operations like this. So when we tell people, Hey, Catholic funding is going towards organizations that are doing these horrible, horrible things. uh, We're not exaggerating. Catholic funding went to this organization. That organization did this terrible thing. It's not rocket science.
1: It's truly unbelievable. And I know that for some individuals, and they may not be parents, but they seem concerned with the children. They still can't believe when I share or they hear people share these books. But I myself have attended meetings and I've seen books and I've seen pictures. So, and and it's interesting because you said it, it, it deprives the kids the individuals that imagination and then that that goes back to creativity it's like seeking the mystery of life which is for me like essences of what our divinity represent and it, 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 there's no need to force these things at early age so what but have you met one at least one priest or one bishop who what, what do they have to say in terms of that
2: well so there's there's obviously a um a, a spectrum of differences I, I have met a large number of priests who are deeply upset by this kind of thing I have personally met with several bishops who were also upset and have since stopped taking up the Catholic campaign for human development uh, collection which incidentally comes every November this particular collection is this weekend um November 18th and 19th so 5 days from now but um the uh there is a problem at the level of the US Conference of Catholic Bishops because this is a project of the USCCB and it seems that the, the body of bishops can't get on the docket a conversation about the Catholic Campaign for Human Development and a discussion about the problems that I keep raising. CCHD uh, bishops and, um, and their staff keep telling their brother bishops, hey, there's no problem here. There's nothing wrong. The Lepanto Institute's making this up. In fact, back in, no- or, or back in September, I sent letters to every bishop in, in the country, And in those letters, I provided reports on four different CCHD grantees that we produced that show absolutely definitively that those organizations are acting against church teaching in various ways. Those letters went out, and on October 11th, uh, Bishop Timothy Sr., who is the chairman for the subcommittee of the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, uh, and he said, this is a quote, the staff of CCHD have confirmed that the concerns expressed by the Lepanto Institute regarding these groups are unfounded. Now, I want to address that real quick because everything that we have used in our reports, every amount of information and evidence that we have collected comes from primary sources. We get it directly from the organization itself, we get it directly from their staff, uh, we use screenshots in order to prove we didn't make this up. And if they delete it, then we still have something to fall back on. And many times they do delete it from their websites, but we are constantly producing this evidence to show, Hey, this, this is very easy to find. This isn't hard. Uh, The evidence is right there. All you have to do is look. So Bishop Timothy senior said that uh, what we, what we had written about these groups was unfounded, which, I'm sorry to say it, but it's not true. It's 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 a lie. It's a lie because everything that we did provide in those reports is very well founded, and it's incumbent upon the CCHD to actually refute the evidence, and they haven't. Um, but he goes on. He says, individuals and groups such as the Lepanto Institute have used inflammatory language and imagery to or which mislead. These groups have sown seeds of doubt about the great work of CCHD and incite fear and uncertainty in the minds of Catholics. Um, This is, this is just a histrionic defense of what the CCHD is doing. It doesn't say anything about the information that we've provided. It just says, Oh, they're using images that are, that are uh, disturbing and upsetting. Well, of course, because the material that we're finding is disturbing and upsetting. What do you expect? Um, He said, Uh, This is the point that I really want to get to. He said, all of the initiatives that are supported with CCHD funding have undergone a thorough application process, which includes the approval by the local bishop and the national subcommittee of bishops and are closely monitored throughout the length of their grant to ensure that the terms of the grant agreement are strictly followed. And then he says, Catholics can be confident that the Catholic Campaign for Human Development does not fund organizations that violate the moral or social teaching of the church. And again, that's not true. It's not true. It's demonstrably false, which as far as I can tell is uh, the very definition of of fraud because they are committing fraud when they claim that the uh, CCHD is not Funding organizations that are acting against church teaching. They're doing it through the mail. They're doing it through digitally online. uh, And they're collecting these funds under false pretenses. As far as I can tell, that fits the legal definition of fraud. And I think that Catholics should start considering whether they want to form a class action lawsuit against the USCCB.
0: With the public, then, because I—I mean, I've looked at your website. I've seen all the documentation. The way that you've done it, it's—it's it's very well. You know, the way you have the videos and everything. How are the public kind of reacting to this?
2: It depends. Uh, I have found that the uh, the reactions are coming along ideological lines. The hard left, the um, the the, <laughs> I don't I don't know how else to put it. The pro LGBTQ, the, the pro abortion, the pro Marxist. Catholics that are in the church, uh, tend to defend it. And they say, Oh, that's not really pro abortion. It's pro choice. Or they say, Oh, you're just a hater who wants to see, um, homosexuals thrown in prison and oppressed or, or you want to see transgenders get murdered. This this is the kind of rhetoric that they use. Um, when it comes to honest and faithful Catholics, and they look at the information and, and they're aghast, they're horrified. So it does tend to split along ideological lines. Those who believe that abortion is intrinsically evil, that homosexuality and transgenderism are intrinsically evil, that Marxism is incompatible with Catholic teaching, they're upset. But those who do not think those things think that we're just, you know, attacking the Catholic Church.
0: I see um, on Patrick Beck David's um, interview just the other day. They had a lawyer and about transgenderism because I mean the whole that's kind of linked really the way that they're doing this. They're attacking the family and they're basically allowing the child to make a decision and not mm. tell the parents the whole on. it is in the school. But what they were saying is that a lot of this is when they know that somebody's going through this, they become easy prey. And unfortunately in the Catholic Church as well, there's a lot of predators in there. And and yeah. unfortunately. The decent priests are tarred with the same brush, which is so unfortunate. But the reality is, I mean, I grew up in a, uh, in Ireland. I went to a Christian brother school, and basically, when somebody was abusing somebody, they just moved them to a different parish. And yeah. like people actually see that. And now it's like it's like they're attacking from all directions.
2: No, this is very true. And and the fact of the matter is that um, the scandal. Of wicked bishops and priests, and 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 we've we've got to understand. I mean, this goes back to what I was saying in the beginning about my background. Back in the 1930s and 40s, communists were actively recruiting young radicals to join the seminaries. They were actually recruiting homosexuals to join the seminaries, and the reason was they needed to break down the Catholic Church to take down the bulwark that stands against Marxism, that stands against immorality and prevents in, in a very large way in public society, the encroachment of grave immorality in society. So they needed to corrupt the church from within. And that's why they, They got these radicals to join the seminary so that they could become priests, so that they could become bishops and start doing things that were going to cause scandal and cause people to leave the church or to disbelieve the church. Um, There's a woman by the name of Bella Dodd, who back in um, 1951 actually testified before the House Committee on Un American Activities how she had recruited young radicals to join uh, the seminaries and to become. Uh, Catholic priests. Uh, She was a convert or or a revert back to the Catholic faith. Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen actually helped her come back into the church. Um, But her testimony is incredibly powerful. And there are others. She's not the only one. There are quite a few others who have testified that, yes, they helped recruit uh, young radicals to join the seminary. So it's an infiltration and what you said about the Christian brothers is just a big part of that where they have absolutely, yeah, they, they recruited homosexuals who are doing these terrible things. And because the, uh, the bishops in control are part of that network of radicals, they, they shuffle them around to keep them in action so that the, uh, the church continues to, to go into a tailspin.
0: Like I've seen some of these books and I mean, <laughs> I find it strange that the likes of Amazon and all these allowed to sell these books, yet if somebody's sharing the truth, they're kicked off immediately. You know, Mm -hmm. like Alex Craner, who we've on our show, remove his books, but yet they'd allowed what I class as porn. And, like, I believe, like, the whole social media as well, because it was somebody had mentioned to me that on X, a lot of people think, oh, that's our saving grace. If you type in porn on that, it's X-rated. Mm -hmm. facebook i have seen stuff and i was like why am i seeing there was something came up and i was like how is this i'm shadow banned for everything i do i get kicked off my youtube channel linkedin and i presume you're experiencing stuff like that but yes a lot of people are living in hope thinking whether it's the whatever politician is going to save them or social media is going to be the better one but the reality is we kind of have to look within and like what you're doing is fantastic but we need people like when you when somebody writes back to you and calls you out and also like they should be shunned in public like that should be shared and 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 everybody that's on your side of the fence should go hey you're wrong and it's the only way we can do it because like there's everybody that's trying to fight this fight and because they have unlimited resources they can yep. do this they can you know they're, they're funding everything they have a printing press they own the federal reserve they can they can just keep paying for this yet we have to survive we have to put a roof over our head feed our children and I think the only way to do it is at ground level, like everybody that when they see that priest is wrong, not to accept it or the teacher in the school that's doing these things or having the books that you actually shun them. It's like, that's the way it was done hundred years ago, shun them in public. And I think it works. And I think I just curious what you think is the solution to this.
2: Well, no, in, in fact, what, uh, what you're talking about was done just a few years ago when um, uh Pope Francis tried to put a, um, a Bishop in place. He tried to install a Bishop and I can't remember which South American country it was. It was one of the South American countries. Uh, he tried to put this Bishop in, in position and the people knew that he was an abuser. They knew that he was, um, he had abused young children, uh, that he had shuffled around abusers other priests who were abusers and they stood up and they they railed against him and pope francis rushed to this bishop's defense because he's a good friend uh but they they remained firm and they stood firm and they they actually wound up forcing him to go to rome uh and while this bishop was in rome he admitted to pope francis's face yes i've done these things and he even had porn on his on his phone and pope francis was ultimately forced to remove him from his position. But it only came because there was a groundswell uh, of faithful Catholics who raised up, uh, who r- rose up and and fought this. So you're absolutely right. There has to be on the ground action. And unfortunately in the United States anyway, and I, I'm pretty sure it's the same in, in some other countries. I think Poland is very strong, but we are seeing that people are, de- they're demoralized. They don't think that there's any point anymore. And uh, they just kind of throw their hands up in the air and they say, well, uh, you know, it's just another example as to why I should just leave the church. And it's it's a terrible, terrible thing. And and I keep telling people, look, I expose the rot, not because I'm trying to get people to leave, but because they need to understand what's happening so that they can make sense of it so that they can see that salvation is not to be found in the structure of the church necessarily, which is, you know, their, their programs and their, their big events, but in the sacraments, in, in the belief in Christ and that salvation comes from fidelity to the teachings of the church and of Christ and, and just living out that faith. That's where we have to, to maintain our peace Yes, we have to stand up and rise up against immorality and these terrible things when they happen, but we we shouldn't allow that to disturb our inner sense of peace and we certainly shouldn't have it lead us outside of the church. That's the definition of scandal. We can't allow ourselves to be scandalized.
0: With I had heard there was an international warrant for Ratzinger and that's why he stood down. Yeah. down. I heard he was deadly as well, but like irrespective of that, most people didn't even know about that. But if you look at the church inside there, it looks like a serpent's head. And it's the reality is this is run by evil people. Like the Vatican is evil. The whole lot is like, is there, because I know there is good bishops. There is good priests. There's definitely good people out there. And you just look at what they're doing, not what they say. Mm -hmm. Have any of them kind of looked at trying to create their own system and just walk away from that? Because at the end of the day, unfortunately they're funding the beast, which in turn is just able to do all these horrible things around the world.
2: Well, the, so this is where we get into the nature of the church and what the church actually is. We have to remember that the church is not uh, the Pope the, or the Pope is not the church. The Pope is a man who sits on, on the chair of Peter and he has certain powers within the uh, structure of the church to make decisions and to uh, help propagate the faith. But if he is acting against the teachings of the church, if he preaches something that's against the teachings of the church, he does so not as the head of the church, but as something else. So you have you have to balance everything and and weigh it against what the church actually teaches. Her sacraments are real, and without the sacraments, you or, or without the church, you don't have the sacraments. So we maintain our our membership in the church because of the sacraments, and the sacraments come from. The hierarchy of the church, the priests get their their ordination from bishops. The bishops get their consecration from the pope. So we have to maintain that that adherence, that cohesion. And we have to also remember that the church has weathered many, many storms. If you look at the Arian heresy back in the 300s, the Arian heresy was so extensive that I think they said close to 90 or 95 percent of the church was arian that's that's a dreadful number but she weathered that storm ultimately there was a good bishop there was a good pope um and there were good leaders within the church that god raised up saints and what they did is they stood firm and they they guided the church back on course and uh, they led many souls back into the faith because of it pope francis is he's not immortal and he's 87 years old. So do we we believe that they somehow wrestled the keys of St. Peter away from God's hands? Well, no, of course not. Uh, God knows exactly what they're doing. He knows what they're up to. He allowed Judas to betray him, and he even told him, what you're going to do, do quickly. And he did. And Christ was crucified, but three days later he rose from the dead. He also told his disciples that what happens to the master will also happen to the servants and the servants are us. And if we are members of the body of the church, we should expect that the church will also go through a passion of sorts. And I believe that that's what's happening. I think that we are enduring a passion, but we have to look towards the glorification of the church afterwards. Yes, things are bad and things are going to get very bad, but it's not permanent.
0: And um, just curious, what's your thoughts on this kind of one-world religion that they're pushing? I believe it's in uh, Abu Dhabi that is going to be yeah the the Abu
2: Dhabi uh, statement Uh, where Pope Francis actually said that God wills the plurality of religions the way with the same will by which he created Adam and Eve. That was uh, actually that was heresy, Um, and uh, it's it's false. And there the the idea of a syncretistic worldview where all religions are equal is not true because the moment you have two religious ideologies that are opposed, one of them necessarily must be false. That's just, that's just logic. So if you have, um, say, a, a pagan worldview where you have a pantheon of gods or you have a monotheistic worldview, those two ideologies are not compatible. One of them has to be wrong. And I'm not saying that both have to be or or one has to be right because you can you can debate that. It's possible that both are wrong. But the minute you have two opposing ideologies, necessarily one has to be wrong. So by approaching it logically, I can tell you that absolutely what what is being done in the name of syncretism and this this pantheistic worldview where all religions are equal is not true. It can't be true because logically it can't hold water. One of them necessarily, or all but one of them necessarily must be wrong. I remember Ricky
0: Gervais. I don't know if there are 3000, but he came up and said, there's there's 3000 religions, and I don't believe in any, I'm an atheist. So, so like all of them are wrong bar one, if, if even. So, right, yeah. And, and I think it's down to like, unfortunately we see all the wars, we see all the conflict and everything, and it's just more about the inner peace, the inner love, and not hating because i've got friends that are all religions i don't judge them by their religion anytime i go to an event i never even ask them what their religion is i just look at how they are how they are as a father how they are as an employer to their employees or to the Mm -hmm. to anybody around them and unfortunately a lot of the stuff that's done today is just kind of getting people to fight with each other
2: sure no and you're you're right and and the way that i approach the faith is that um It's like Fulton Sheen said, if souls are not saved, then nothing is saved. If Jesus Christ is God, as he said he is, and if he came into the world for the salvation of souls, as he said he did, then everything that we do as Christians is to guide souls to Christ, because as he said, no one is saved but through me. So we, we do what we can to encourage people to examine what our Lord taught, to examine what he, um, what he lived, to live by the, the rules and the, the, the commandments that he gave us, uh, and to follow the teachings that he left for us. Um, and my impetus is not to start a fight. If somebody wants to fight, I'll walk away. I'm not going to argue and, and, and get angry about trying to save somebody's soul. That, that that kind of defeats the purpose. Ultimately, my desire, my whole purpose, is to see souls embrace the love of God, to follow the commandments of the church, which he left for us, and to live as our Lord asked us to live so that their souls can be saved. It's just motivated by salvation, and that's it. And,
0: like, I had heard this, you know, they say, You shall not have false uh, gods or images before me. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. been said. So, like, what I just find, like, Davos have the big crucifix and everything. You're going around, like, well, everybody has the crucifix and everything. Is that not showing suffering? Why would they be having that? Because they tend to show us all the negative things and all the things they want. So, if it was your child, my child, Would you go around with something showing the murder of your child? Wouldn't it be better to have something that was more positive?
2: Well, so the crucifixion is the sign of our salvation. It was because of Christ's death on the cross that we are saved. In fact, if you read through the scriptures, what you see is that our Lord would never allow himself to be identified except by the cross. When the demoniacs started saying, we know who you are, he silenced them because he did not want to be identified except by his crucifixion. When he, when he started to undergo his passion and he took up his cross, the Romans marveled at the fact that he embraced the cross. They called him a fool. They, they berated him and they mocked him because he embraced the cross. If you look at, even in the very beginning of, of our Lord's life, when he was born in a manger, you have our Lord, being set upon a manger, which is a wooden structure by which animals are fed, and the wooden structure by which he feeds us is the cross. You can't. And and one thing that we have to understand is you can't understand the passion unless you understand creation, because the two are one and the same. Adam and Eve, uh, when they fell, they fell because they consumed the fruit of the tree of knowledge of the good and evil, and. At that point, our Lord, you know, he questioned them and he started to curse Eve and then he cursed Adam. Um, And what he said to Adam specifically was, by the sweat of your brow, shall you produce the fruits? And he also said, the earth shall only yield to you thistles and thorns. Later on, we have Isaac, who was about to be sacrificed Up on the mountain by Abraham. And instead, there was a a ram whose horns were caught in thorns in a thicket of brambles. Right there, that was a prefigurement of our Lord's wearing the crown of thorns upon his head. So when he wears the crown of thorns, it hearkens back to the curse of Adam the thorns you shall, uh, the earth shall produce for you, the sweat of your brow. By the sweat of your brows shall you have the fruits. And our Lord, when he was in the garden, so also you have two gardens, the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane, our Lord in the garden sweat a sweat of blood. So he was undoing the curse of Adam. Everything was about undoing the curse of Adam. And it was through a tree, a tree called the, knowledge, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, also called the tree of death, It was through that that death entered into the world. But our Lord, carrying a dead tree up a hill, and and remember, Adam and Eve descended after they fell. He ascended with a dead tree. It was planted in the ground. He was pinioned to this tree. His blood became the new sap. The tree was planted into the ground, and that crucifix is now the tree of life. And if we understand what he said in John chapter six, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no life within you. What he is saying is that as I give myself in sacrifice on the cross, my flesh is real flesh. It is the fruit of the tree of life. That's what he's telling us. And the church remembers that through the Holy Eucharist. So all of this—it's eucharistic, it's historic. It goes all the way back to the foundation. If we understand the creation, we can understand the passion, and that's why we have the crucifix.
0: Well, with the uh, the Adam and Eve, I mean, you, you believe that that was the, the start Literally, of humanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but if you look, they had apparently three children. Yeah, three. Well, boys. starting
2: yeah, starting with uh, Abel, and then Cain was born, uh, and then. Seth came after because Seth was the replacement for, um, Abel because Cain murdered Abel. But that doesn't mean those were the only children that they had. They had many, many, many other children. in fact, when Abel, um, murders Cain and, and our Lord curses him Abel or, or I'm sorry, when Cain murders Abel and, uh, our Lord curses Cain, Cain complained to God. He said, look, with this mark on me, If I go to an anywhere I go, if I travel somewhere, if I go into a town, they're going to kill me. Well, where are these towns coming from? Well, the towns had to come from somewhere, especially if Adam and Eve were the founder of all of mankind. If all of mankind came from Adam and Eve, then Adam and Eve must necessarily have had more children. And through those children became the uh, propagation of the species. So it only makes sense.
0: Well, I, I don't know, but I agree with you on that because, I mean, they tell people that you know, with incest is very dangerous with what the next generation is. So if that's the case, it's been incest for the whole way through humanity. So I, I, I don't know. Well, if I you start with the John. human <laughs>
2: genome, if you start with a perfect, the human genome right now is broken down. Every, every generation, you lose 50% of the human genome. Just by math, you lose 50%. Uh, so that means that as you trace the human genome back, it's a more complete genome. You have more information packed into that genome as you continue to go back through time with every successive generation, which means the first parents would have had the most complete genome, which means that the incest would not have been necessarily a, a genetic breakdown right away. Not the way that it is now.
0: Okay. So, Grace, I know that uh, you're no, watching the time that you're both on to a different event. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you very much, Michael.
1: When, when it comes to um, conversations or topics on the creation, we do have a lot of uh, different perceptions. And that's the wonderful thing because then we could share all our different thoughts and perceptions. Now, for me, as I understand, you know, even within the Christian church, just reading the Bible, every member of the church, whether it's a Protestant or Catholic, will have their own interpretation to it. Now, I think there's a fine line when it comes to sacrifice or crucifixion, because, and when I know why Roy brought that crucifixion image, because if We've been inculcated for centuries that it's okay to sacrifice it's okay to suffer it's okay to be poor you know everything is like and I for one was you know have, have many members of friends in church Protestant and Catholic living in the Philippines that we say, we say, oh you're happy anyway, so it's okay you don't have to strive so hard because you're happy. So that's like a fine line when you just accept. And then and thank thank you, Michael, for reminding us that the Pope, the bishop, they're not, they're not the God. They're not like, they're still humans Mm -hmm. that has the potential and all of us to be weak and to make mistakes. So there's like that fine line. So I'm I just want to share that. For me to make the church relevant, it has to reflect and manifest in each of us. So if we are in the Catholic church, in the Protestant church or whatever church, if what happened in the last three, four years, that all churches, and that's one thing that they have in common. (laughs) So not all churches are the same, but that's what's happened. None of the churches stood up for when we were silenced. So that's that's like, hello. So thank God, you know, Michael is doing his work. So each of us, so let this conversation be a source for each of us to seek and inquire more. And I know Michael and I will be attending the press conference and um, Dr. Jan Closer keeps saying that one of the things that his father, who's a scientist said is that, <clears throat> Always be inquisitive and question everything. So we bring Michael to you <clears throat> in our conversation so you can continue to be inquisitive. okay? Don't take our words for it. So go that's I, I ask go down to the to the website and look for it. And then all these different things that getting you confused, look into your heart, into your mind, and into your whole being and see how god speaks to you in your own personal way because michael doesn't have to be doing this in fact michael my question would is how are you managing with censorship because mm. from what i understand even for dr john closer who is a Nobel laureate in physics is being censored being silenced and his trip around the world It's been put on hold. So how are you? And how's your family? Because I bet you you've met members of the Catholic Church who might say, Michael, what are you doing?
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. People uh people are always they're always concerned and that's a good thing. We should be concerned. Um I've just put my full faith and trust that our, our Lord asked me to do this and I continue to do it and I will do it as long as he uh, allows, allows me to. And the moment that I no longer have the funds, well, then I'll, I'll do something else. But the fact of the matter is that if this is something that our Lord wants me to do and I'm going to go out in faith and just simply do the work that he gives me, then the funding and, and everything else, if he wants it to come, it will come. And if he doesn't want it to come, well, like I said, I'll do something else. Uh, but we, um, we do have a problem with censorship. And I do know that uh, my messages and things like that are being censored. And I, I have an email list. So I, am able to maintain at least uh, communication with our supporters through the email list, which is a good thing. Uh, but it's, um, it's not easy. And trying to continue to, uh, to show the truth and to maintain the truth and to help people stay informed on the truth. I I get messages from people saying I used to be on your email list. I'm not there anymore. What happened? Well, nothing happened. It's just algorithms are starting to kick in and they're, they're kicking off my message, but we find ways and we continue to find ways. I use social media in various ways. I use YouTube and you know, all the different platforms, but I'm always looking for the next platform that's not going to be a censorship show and, and help people to say, hey, let's go over here. We'll have a conf- conversation over here. That way uh, we're outside of the limelight of the censors and you can continue to receive our programming. and And that's kind of how we do it.
1: Yeah thank you so much uh, Roy and I have experienced that and recently Roy just mentioned about his Gmail and he's not the only one who mentioned to me this week about the Gmail it's catching up the algorithm and you know censoring some of that so um we we so yeah just like you we try to really keep keep sharing or finding a way where we could not be censored because we are all called to expose the, you know, what's not correct. And we're all called to do what's right in our souls. So I think this is the best thing. So um, I, I'd like you to um, invite more people in whatever way, but maybe before that, let me make an announcement for what we talked about earlier. So today you are invited to the Deposit of Faith Coalition Baltimore press conference on challenging climate claims at Four Seasons Hotel in Baltimore, Maryland, today, November 14, 2023, and that's from 1 to 3 p.m. Speakers are the following, Dr. John Klosser, a Nobel Prize winner to declare global warming a fraud. And so that's highly, a no, 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 also. Mark Morano will be there, who serves as executive editor and correspondent for the Committee for Constructive Tomorrow's Award winning. Uh, and he is uh, you can get in touch with him at climatedepot.com. He's been our guest as well. And Alex Newman also has been our guest, is an award-winning international journalist, educator, author, speaker, investor, and consultant who seeks to glorify God in everything he does. And the last but not the least is Michael Voris is the founder and president of the Saint Michael's Media Church or a media enterprise established to address the serious erosion of the Catholic faith in the first, last 50 years. And you could get that at their website of churchmilitant.com. So thank you very much. And it's not really just the Catholic church that uh, has gone down, all churches has gone down. So if we believe that we are called to do service for our church, now is the time to show up and materialize what your church means to you. But particularly that means that you should be in alignment, in coherence with God's source. And if you're hurting other people, or other situations, hmm, it doesn't take, a in so much intelligence to know that you're in the wrong path so michael have the last words for us
2: well i just appreciate you having me on and and being able to have this conversation i think it's a very it was a great conversation i really enjoyed having it with both of you uh and if people want to know more they can come to our website at lepantoin.org uh, sign up for our newsletter and um we'll uh we'll do the best we can to keep you informed
1: and please don't remember, don't forget, like, subscribe, share, which I should really say at the very beginning. Okay, <laughs> like, subscribe, share, and get engaged. Meet, have meetings in your local community. That's extremely important. Local, local, and then also do the Zoom. It, this will be uploaded in all our different platforms between me and Roy. And of course, Michael will do something about it. And it will be Big Rumble. Just search our name. It will be all over. Help us spread what's true and get active. Okay? Thank you so much and have a blessed day.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode sure to give us a thumbs up, five-star rating and share with your friends. And you find all my shows with the QR code or bio.link forward slash podcaster, as well as my podcast coaching. And I'd like to thank my sponsor, danielpackard.com, helping people with anxiety, stress and addictions. He's got a 90% success rate and you only pay if you're successful. Also, if you'd like to go on a podcasting tour, I can help you do that. And if you're interested in sponsorship, you can contact me on my bio.link forward slash podcaster. Until next week, take care.